have something very special for you. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, as you know, uh, traveled the world under President Trump. We were able to interview him before the Biden speech. We were supposed to do it after because Biden was so late. We had to do the interview before we did it on tape. Roll it. So, Mr. Secretary, here's what I don't understand. I'm a simple man, as you well know, okay? There doesn't seem to be a lot of benefit for Putin here. He doesn't have economic benefit taking this portion of Ukraine. He's going to cause himself and his country a lot of economic pain, right? So cost-benefit analysis. Why is the guy doing this? Do you have any idea? So I think there's a couple reasons. One is um, this is part of his theory of the case of the greater Soviet Union, right? He wants to go back and have a buffer for his country. He, he, I think he feels this personally. I, I, when I spent time with him, he would talk about greater Russia and, and Russian history. We saw him explicate that a little bit. I guess it was yesterday when he made his long speech. He, he feels aggrieved and he wants to vindicate that. So I think that's one piece. Second, I think he sees uh, a weak West. I think he sees a weak United States. I think he sees Germany that is a supplicant because of the energy needs. And he thinks he can push and push and push. So you know, your point about the cost and benefit, I think he believes that the cost will end up ultimately being something he can truly manage. The upside, if you're Vladimir Putin, is that you get to cre create and sow chaos in the West. You get okay. to upset the apple cart in many ways. He definitely wants to drive a wedge uh, between the NATO countries. But Germany this morning came out and said Nordstrom 2, they're going to suspend certification now on it. Um, Putin has invested, uh, you know, $15 billion in that. And uh, Biden is going to hurt him on the dollar, dollar transactions. So Putin's going to get hurt. And uh, for this kind of dream that I'm going to be uh, the Russian Napoleon, I'm going to restore the glory. It seems to me to be megalomaniacal. Am I wrong? There, there, no, there's a piece of that. This is, Bill, Bill, you've watched this guy an awfully long time. I've spent time with him. There's a piece of that that is at the center of his, his personality. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you're, you're right about some of the costs, but remember, he's been through this before. When he took Crimea, he was threatened with big sanctions. He survived just, just peachy. Um, he just needs to take care of his eight oligarchs if the Russian people suffer. Not his first choice, but you know, not the end for him. And finally, don't forget the benefit he's getting. I don't know what it's trading at as we sit here. 97 bucks a barrel, 98 bucks Brent crude. Uh, that is an enormous windfall for Russia when energy prices are 50% higher than they were a year ago and 100% higher than they were during the four years we were in office. But he's not going to be able to get dollars for the oil. So if he wants <laughs> yen, he'll get yen. He's not going to get dollars for it. Now, I spent some time with uh, President Trump recently, as you may know, with the O'Reilly uh, Trump history tour. I got to reverse that Trump O'Reilly history tour. <laughs> and he told me flat out, if he were president today, if he were reelected, Putin would not be doing any of this. Do you believe that? I do. Best evidence, Bill, that I have, the only thing that's changed was who was leading the United States of America. Vladimir Putin hasn't changed. His view of the world hasn't changed. His calculus simply changed because America was weak. All right. So Trump told me that he had an arrangement with Putin, and the arrangement went down 
was a personal arrangement. It wasn't you and Lavrov, wasn't a negotiated. It was, you don't embarrass me, I won't embarrass you. Was that your understanding? You know, I don't want to speak to that if the president wants to talk about that publicly, so be it. I can say this. Look, we, we lived under this, this crazy, silly Russia hoax for two and a half years of the Trump administration where everyone thought we were uh, Russian assets or weak on Russia. Uh, I think we can see that that wasn't the case. And so there were a set of understandings that were taking place that led us to a place where we, we had a deterrence. We put sanctions on Vladimir Putin when he did bad things. But when we found places we could work with him, I did it at the CIA. We, we took down, we saved Russian lives in St. Petersburg. Putin personally thanked me for that publicly. Um, we had a set of understandings that said, here are the things we can do that can lead our two countries to find perhaps a better path forward and European security and stability on a better path forward as well. Now, most Americans, including me, really didn't understand that Donald Trump, while he was in office, did sanction the Nordstrom II pipeline, that -hmm. there wasn't any, um, they built it, but there was a sanction on it. What was that sanction that Joe Biden removed almost the first day he was in office? It was a set of prohibitions that uh, sanctioned companies from, to your point, back to the dollar, from using dollars to transact activity around the pipeline. So think of uh, shipbuilders, think of construction companies, think of pipe laying equipment, think of the people who underwrite that, the insurers who uh, create the liability protection for those companies. Those were the things that he unwound. They were Treasury Department sanctions largely that prevented dollars from going to the project. Okay. Biden, without any explanation, immediately removed those. Was there a gain for the USA in that removal? From my perspective, there's not much to be gained. I think he was doing it to try and uh, build out relationships with Germany in particular, and perhaps Europe even more more significantly. I think that's the only upside one could describe. Remember, while he's doing that, he is essentially taking down the American energy industry. So I think there was a climate hook to this as well. I think he believed, hey, if we can we can do this in America, we can shut this down. We'll give the Germans what they want for natural gas because they need the energy. They've, they've already shut down significant pieces of their energy complex. We can reach uh, climate accords that'll make the world a safer, happier place. I think that was their theory. Okay. What is the difference, in your opinion, between you and Anthony Blinken, the current Secretary of State? What what is the difference? (laughs) Well, it it always starts for anybody who works in a a presidential administration is we have very different bosses. I had a boss who understood about power, understood how to use American economic power, and was prepared to allow me to travel the world and use American power to protect the things that mattered most to the United States and to set the priorities in a way that actually secured American prosperity and freedom. We, Bill, was shorthanded as America first, uh, but the truth is uh, that the truth is when you send John Kerry to be the first American senior official to meet with Xi Jinping and Putin, you are signaling American weakness. You're signaling that you'll sacrifice just about anything on the altar of climate change. And if you're Secretary Blinken, that puts you in a very difficult place when you're trying to push back on the bad guys across the world. Okay. Now, uh, I reported yesterday, and I don't know if any other national news agency did report it, of a massive coal deal where Russia and Putin are going to ship coal to China, who, as you know, are building coal plants, (laughs) coal plants. Okay. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of tons of coal. 
So it doesn't stack that the Biden administration is trying to rein in our fossil fuel industry when the two largest rivals, Russia and China, are saying, we don't care about global warming, climate change. We're going to pump as much coal into the atmosphere as we want. Yet the American media doesn't cover it. I would submit to you that 99% of Americans don't even know this. And that's a pretty frightening scenario, is it not? Oh, Billy, you, you've nailed it. They, they, the administration traveled at the beginning of its time to Copenhagen for a climate summit where the Chinese lied flat out and said, oh, we'll reduce our carbon footprint. While on the ground, the reality was opening about a coal-fired power plant every couple of weeks. And this is the other big difference, Bill. Um, when it came to energy, when it came to lots of issues, we accepted the world as it was. We didn't live in a fantasy world. It, it is not the case that the Chinese Communist Party is ever going to submit to restrictions on their carbon footprint until they've got an economy that is twice the size of ours. They are, they're going to grow. They're going to do the right things for their own people. To your point about the Russians, they are massive importers of energy, not only coal, but natural gas and crude oil as well. They are reliant on the world for their energy. And we ought to use the American energy sources that we have that are affordable and clean and drive the Chinese Communist Party to have to pay really high prices for their yeah, energy. You you just misspoke a little. You said Russia uh, is is massively dependent. It's no, no, China, China that yes, China sir. that's massively dependent. Now, does the Putin Xi, she of course the president of China, does their newfound friendship worry you, or is this just cosmetics? It's hard to know, and in part depends on how the West behaves. Uh, today, I think it's cosmetics. Today, I think it's a, a relationship of opportunity. In the moment, they found a, a, a relationship that benefits them for the time, but they have lots of interests that are divergent. Yet, we should make no mistake. If the West continues to allow them to walk all over us, they'll find a way to work together, and we'll end up living in a world that is very different than ours, and we'll have a Russia-Sino pact that puts, uh, puts them in the front seat and puts the West, the centralized ideas of human dignity and security in the backseat. We, we can't let that happen, Bill. Okay. Two more questions. What would you advise President Biden to do now to punish Vladimir Putin, very specifically? I'll give you four thoughts that you could do with a stroke of a pen. He needs no congressional support to do it, just the support of the American people. First, uh, take him out of SWIFT so that it's hard for them to conduct transactions and dollars and go after their metals trade and the oligarchs. Those, those are the things that have kept Vladimir Putin in power. Those will be the things that threaten him, and you can do those nearly immediately. Second, I would be on the phone and tell NATO, you need to move your forces, your teams, your dollars to help your Eastern friends. So think France, Germany, the UK, uh, go to Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia to make sure that Putin understands that there is a real blunting force available to Europe. And then finally, I would make the case to the American people about why this matters. Maybe that's the most important thing of all. You have to describe that we'll have higher fertilizer costs, higher costs for a loaf of bread, higher costs for gasoline in the United States. If we, if we allow Putin free reign, if we let him move about the cabin, it has real world impacts on us here at home. And when those things go higher, Bill, we know what inflation spirals look like. You only need to look back to the 70s and Jimmy Carter. I don't know if the American people have enough discipline to uh, suffer um, for a greater good that might be down the road. But I do know if we don't punish Putin, that Putin's not going to stop. It looks to me he's a sociopath, he's a narcissist, 
and a megalomaniac. I mean, that's a pretty strong trifecta, <laughs> all right? It looks to me that he wants to break down world order and then rebuild it from the Soviet, maybe Chinese point of view. China takes um, Asia, and then he takes the sphere of influence that Soviet Union used to have. That looks to me about what he wants to do. And if that's the case, then we're going to enter into a new Cold War. Am I wrong? Bill, it's why it's precisely correct. It's why we need to get after this now. You remember the old Fram oil commercials, right? You can pay me now or you can pay me later. Uh, I, we should, we, the president should be out making the case to the American people that we are better to do this now, stop him now. Xi Jinping will ultimately drive the, the destruction of the current world order in a way that Vladimir Putin can't, but he is happy to be the supporting actor in that very, very dangerous movie for the United States of America. Mr. Secretary, I can't thank you enough for your expertise, you. your patriotism, your patriotism to this country. And uh, you're welcome anytime on the No Spin News. And we really appreciate you helping us out today. Thank you, Bill. Have a good day, sir. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home. And they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get a extra 15% off by using promo code Bill at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com. Use promo code Bill at checkout. So um, I'm about mm, right now eight miles from the New York City border uh, as I talk to you. And New York City is collapsing under the weight of violent crime. And so is Chicago, and so is L.A., and many, many other towns. Philadelphia, highest homicide rate on record. Portland, Oregon, highest, highest homicide rate. Louisville, Kentucky, Albuquerque, New Mexico, all have one thing in common. They're run by progressives. So I've said this before, but it is worth repeating. Progressive people do not want to punish criminals, even violent criminals, because they believe American society is evil and American society makes people criminals, manufactures criminals. So the criminals themselves are really not the problem. It's American society. That's the underlying philosophy of restorative justice, of all of these Nobel laws that are allowing violent people not to be punished. And that's why violent crime is rising and all crime is rising, because the justice system is not punishing these people. It's not hard. Now, my question is, when will the American people revolt against the progressives? You're seeing a little bit in Los Angeles, this crazy district attorney in L.A. County, George Gasson, okay, 
Um, 98% of the prosecutors working for him want him removed. That's there's one prosecutor who doesn't, and all the others want him removed because he will not enforce the law in L.A. County, the nation's largest. It's insane. But until people get out and start to demonstrate against it, all right, just as the people with George Floyd did what they did. Now, I'm not saying that if you are pro-law uh, enforcement and pro-justice, you burn stuff down and do it. No. But politicians got to see you. Now, Gasson's going to get recalled, but it's going to take a while. In the meantime, people are dying all over the place. So I, I cast around and try to find somebody who understands the problem and may have a solution to the political side of this problem. So here in New York, Hochul, the governor, and the legislature in Albany, they're not going to revoke the no-bail law. No matter how many people die, they're not going to do it. In Chicago, we've seen year after year after year, mostly poor black citizens getting gunned down in the street. And the governor won't do anything, and will it, the mayor won't either. All right, so I found a guy named Vince Everett Ellison. He is the author of a book, 23 Lies, or 25 Lies, Exposing Democrats' Most Dangerous, Seductive, Damnable, Destructive Lies, and How to Refute Them. He's a former correctional officer, so he knows the justice system. And he joins us now from Amherst, Virginia. Okay, first question is on your correctional uh, experience, and then we'll get into your theories. What percentage of the criminals in the prison where you were, were flat out evil? No matter what you did, they were going to hurt people. What percentage would you put on it? Oh, I'd put about 10%. We, we had this uh, saying that said that uh, 10% of the prisons, prisoners caused 90% of the problems, just like in society. And we knew exactly who they were. So, yeah, it was about 10%. But that's a lot of people if you, uh, in a city of 8.5 million, like New York City. That's 850,000 hardcore evil people roaming around. And they're not being punished. So yeah, that, you, that's in the prison system. Out in the population, it's about, you know, one-tenth of maybe one uh, maybe 1%. You can take 100 people in a city of... Uh, of 100,000 people, and they can drive it crazy, 100 criminals. So what, you know, but what I found here is that what, uh, what, this guy was a Soviet dissident. His name was Yuri Bezanov. He said that the Soviet Union, they just demoralized the population. And once you demoralize the population, they cannot hear the truth. A demoralized man will not listen to the truth. And that's what they've done in the inner cities. So the inner cities are not going to change this. As you see, uh, Chicago has been a criminal uh, Empire and, and Detroit and Memphis for the past 50, 60, 70 years. And they keep electing Democrats because the people are demoralized. The citizens of the United States of America are going to have to finally say these Democrats are going to bring this to our town. This is their model. They've always used violence and terror to, to demoralize and destroy the black community and keep it under control. And they're not going to stop because they keep getting 90% of the black vote. And until we People like me and you, Bill, and you're doing it every day, just like I am, until we can convince other Americans that they're coming after you and your children, this is their plan, we're not going to change it. All right, but it shouldn't have to be very hard because the people in Chicago see it with their own eyes. 
they're burying people every every day. So yeah, but they they are demoralized. All right, I These understand the demoralization. Have, I, 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 in a state of learned helplessness, but they I cannot understand. do anything. I, yeah. I get it, but they're human beings, and you would assume that most of them are rational, even though they're demoralized, and they're seeing that the people they elect, all right, are not solving the problem, and indeed the problems are getting worse. They're seeing rampant no, drug addiction. Central. Yeah, ah. Stockholm Syndrome. I mean, yeah, you know, it was doing back during, even doing back to during the Confederacy. Abraham Lincoln had to issue the Emancipation Proclamation but because the slaves were digging the ditches, the, the ditches and the trenches and putting up the fortifications to have the Confederacy keep them enslaved. In 1876, black people voted for the Confederacy. They voted for the Democrats in the election of 1876. The whole South went blue. And no Confederate no, and no white Confederates could vote. Black people voted them back in. And in 1860, even though Eisenhower and Nixon had passed the 1957 Civil Rights Act and the 1960 Civil Rights Act, giving black people the right to vote down south, black people voted for Kennedy and Johnson, who had basically tried to scuttle both acts. It has always been that black people had a, a, a fatal attraction to the Democrat Party. It came from slavery, it's cognitive dissonance, and it stays even today because we've done nothing in this country to ever change it. Okay, but blacks only make up 13% of the population and they can't decide elections. In New York, where I am right now, and in Virginia to some extent where you are, there's a, the white people have most of the power still, all right? The white liberal people are willing to right. watch this city, the greatest city in the country, all right, get almost evaporated yes. because, of because of ideology. And yes. I, I mean, I'm saying to myself, what, what do you need to see before you change? I understand the demoralization of the blacks, uh -huh. okay, and that they're not getting the information flow they should get, particularly by the clerics, the clergy. Right. The black clergy oh, yeah. should be should be doing a lot more. But the whites, all right, who aren't living in the ghettos, they're still voting for these crazy progressives. I don't get it. Well, that well, that, that's that's because they need the black vote to stay in power. They never cared what happened to black people. Black people are still plantation slaves to them. And like the master stayed up on top and his slaves stayed in the field working like dogs. It's the same template, man. These white liberals are the same people as the, as the old white slave masters were. They are evil people. But Vince, they you know they're, they're not going to they admit that. They're going to say, I oh, I sympathize. I'll okay. I will say it because That's they fine. see it. Like you said, they see it. But they you can't change it. They know that they kill 50% of black babies. They know that the, the public educational system is destroying black children. They know they destroyed the black family. They know they destroyed the economic system. They know it. They have the data in front of them. They know exactly what they're doing, and they won't do a damn thing to change it. They know exactly See, what they're I disagree with you on this point. They don't know you it. Can't they, because you got eyes too, Bill. They see it. They don't crazy. care about I, when facts. When you don't care, that means you're evil. Well, when you don't care you what can you're assign doing that people, when you, you kill can assign people, that when judgment. you destroy children, they but know I what wanna, they're doing. I want, Vince, I want to solve the problem. These liberal people, and I know droves of them, are never going to say, I want to keep black people down. I'm okay oh, with black people saying, getting what they do. shot in the Watch street. Watch what they do. Okay. Forget what they say. Watch what they do. They put children in schools in Baltimore they want to send their dog to. 
They locked up black men in the 1990s like they were cattle. They are now allowing dope houses and drug houses to exist in Philadelphia and in, and in Manhattan. They have destroyed the black family. And every time the Republicans try to do anything to try to bring the black man back into his family, they block it. They block school choice. They abort every child they so can find. So you just think they're they just evil. The these, they are evil people. These progressives are evil. I see. I they're think evil. there's a little more nuance there. But if that's true, then we can never solve this violent crime problem. Last oh, week. yes, you can. People like me and you and good people have to go out there and recognize this and recognize that we no longer have policy disagreements with these people. We have to do what Abraham Lincoln did with slavery and say it was evil. We have to do what Reagan did with, with, with the Soviet Union and say they're evil. We have to do what Churchill and Roosevelt did with Nazism and say it's evil. The Democrat Party, since its inception in 1800, has been the evilest organization on the face of this earth. With wow. slavery, segregation, Confederacy, Jim Crow, for 100 years, they systematically stole elections, hung black men, castrated them, kept them from voting, and it took the federal government to come down to make them stop. And do you think they changed overnight? No. Then they went to abortion where they killed 60 million people, 30 million of them, my people. They destroyed the educational system. They did the man out clause to, keep, to bring the black man out of the family. They destroyed the economic system. They have made the black church an apostate church by infiltrating politics in it. Yes, I say it. They are evil, and I'll never back down from it. All right. The uh, book is 25 Lies Exposing Democrats' Most Dangerous Seductive, damnable, destructive lies and how to refute them. All right, Vince, thank you for your impassioned interview. That was very interesting. We wish you all the best, of course. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. All right, let's bring in Hunt. He's going to fall asleep listening to me. You know, uh, we use him a lot uh, on The Factor. Uh, Colonel David Hunt is an uh, American patriot, a very brave man, um, special forces all over the place. Uh, he was Army, regular Army, but... I could tell you stories about Honey wouldn't want me to tell you, um, but uh, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to military, and he joins us now from Maine. All right, my analysis, it was brilliant. I know you'll concede that. Did I make any mistakes? <laughs> the answer is uh, no. I will need to back you up a little bit on the arrangement between China and Russia. You, you touched on it by talking about how bad the Russian economy is. It's the size of Italy's. Whereas China's got a seriously serious amount of money um, that can more back it up. I'm not sure they can make it quite as easy as you described that. Um, but on the current issue of Ukraine, when the Crimea fell, was taken very, very easily. I think that Russia needed supply routes getting into the Crimea which is why they've technically owned half of that country, you know, since they took the Crimea a few years ago. Um, so what you, the issue now is we keep thinking about Putin like an American, instead of thinking of him as a, a Russian. He doesn't have the same concerns that you and I have or actually anybody else in the world. Um, if you, if we have, the answer of course is we have to do extremely strong egregious uh, sanctions on Russia, bring them to their knees type of sanctions. But, and we could do a lot of that, but we really need an aggressive Europe. Those two words aren't usually used together. And a cooperative Europe, also not two words put together often, 
to get this really that lesson through. All right, but that we, the United States has a lot of sway over Europe because sure. their economies are tied into our economy. And if Germany or any other European, European nation, I don't expect this to happen, by the way. Germany will hedge and haw, but they won't break away. Because if they did break away, you would expel them from NATO. You kick them right out, okay? And you basically slap sanctions on them. That would crush them. But uh, the Russian economy is dependent on American dollars. So they can sell, they can, and they made a, a coal deal I'm going to get to later. This just blows up the whole global warming stuff. They made a coal deal, Russia and China, this week. wasn't reported in the American press. But if Russia doesn't, they can get yen for their oil. They don't want it because it's an oligarchy. You know that. You know who runs Russia. The Russian <laughs> mafia runs it. It's all dollars. It's all apartments in Belgravia, London. It's all apartments in Zurich in uh, L.A. That's what it is. You cut that off. What do they got? They're looking at reindeer over there. What they what do they got there? Nothing. So you isolate them and Europe has to go along or you punish the people who won't because, you know, Great Britain will. And, you know, Macron and France will. They have to. It's the Germans you got to worry about. Am I wrong? No, you've got to worry about the Germans uh, and the, the also the issue with the pipeline in Germany, as you talked about, it's not going to open up to end the year, but that would cause Putin a lot of problems. Hey. Um, I, I think that when you mentioned the oligarchs and Putin in the same breath, people need to understand that. It's really run like a mafia. But they, and one of the ways to consider getting at them is going at the oligarch and Putin's personal wealth, which many think- Yeah, they're going, to free, they're going to freeze all Russian bank accounts in the United States. They can't freeze them in Switzerland, which is where a lot of the money is, because Switzerland's not a part of NATO. But believe me, when they start to ostracize these guys and put them on no-fly list where they can't go and they can't land their private jets, they can't do anything, then they're going to turn around and look at Vlad going, what the deuce? Is it really worth it? Our yachts can't dock anywhere? That's what's going to happen. That's why we have to squeeze them and squeeze them hard. And if we do that, then she sees that. And, but if we don't, Say goodbye to Taiwan, correct? Yeah, Taiwan's a real, real tough issue. And yes, but they, don't forget the Chinese are also building their own military islands throughout the yeah. China they do that. They already did. Yeah. All they, right. Let's yeah. talk about military. So uh, Russia's got nine hundred thousand active military personnel. All right. Ukraine's got two hundred thousand. If it came down to it, and it isn't going to come down to it right away. Um, and Russia was fighting Ukraine. Do you think the Ukrainians would fight back or would they pull in Afghanistan? No, they're, they're tough people. And they're better army than they've been. They've also lost 14,000 soldiers in the last, since like 2014. But with the air superiority, the, the artillery superiority, the naval superiority, the special operating forces superiority, no one can argue that Russia couldn't take Ukraine. The hard part is keeping Ukraine. We talk about the economy of Russia. They're gonna if they take the 47th largest country in the world, which is Ukraine, it's gonna be very expensive to keep, and they're gonna also take take over Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian economy that's in the toilet. So uh, yeah, and then there'll be a guerrilla war, right? There'll yeah. be a guerrilla war, be hand grenade. You, you're gonna get just like in Afghanistan when the Soviets rolled in there. Um, you know, every day, a hundred Soviets were either killed or wounded in a guerrilla war. You would ex 
expect that would happen in Ukraine, correct? Yep, yes. It'd be, it'd be like what happened to Russia with Chechnya. And that got very expensive and they finally had to stop. Right. So you want to make a prediction on this? Yeah, I think Putin's already won. If we don't, I mean, he, that was a smart move, not moving troops yet. Um, I think we'll get half the half-hearted effort on uh, pushback. We shouldn't. I don't see the U.S. and the Europeans doing what's necessary to put real hurt on Putin. I don't see it. You don't see them putting all those uh, draconian sanctions on his economy? I think not as much. And I don't, by the way, Bill, I don't let you might, and maybe with, when you're on the weekend with the former with President Trump, but we won't know. That's the hard part. You won't know. Well, how got, they got to say what they're going to do. I mean, Biden's got to address the country and say, this is what we're going to do. Can't lie about it. Um, all right. I'll keep my eye on that, that uh, maybe there'll be a sleight of hand. Hey, Colonel, thanks very much for helping us out. Good to see you. I'm glad you're doing well. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, you got to stay with me here until I get, I set the factual stage from my opinion that this is not going to turn out well for Vladimir Putin, this invasion of Ukraine. So Putin is taking the playbook from Adolf Hitler. It's the same exact thing. So Hitler rose to power by telling the German people, hey, we got hosed in World War I, and we are the master race, and we're going to rise up again and be the dominant force in Europe. And so vote for me, Adolf Hitler, and I'll make that happen. Putin, exactly the same thing. We got hosed in the collapse of the Soviet Union, I'm going to make Russia great again. Support me and it will happen. All right. Both are hyper aggressive individuals. They are sociopaths. They don't have any feeling for other people. Megalomaniacal. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And you say, okay, well, Putin didn't do concentration camps and mass murder. Well, 250 journalists have even been murdered or disappeared since old Vlad's been running Russia. 
Now, that's a drop, I know, compared to what the Nazis did. And I'm not trying to make that historical comparison on a violence level. But I am telling you, the mentality is the same. Enter Saddam Hussein. So in 1990, Saddam invaded Kuwait. You remember, that was the first Gulf War. And it was almost the same thing as what Putin is doing now, except Saddam's soldiers raped and pillaged Kuwait. We don't have any reports yet of Russians doing that. But they were invasions. So President Bush, the elder, had to put a coalition together, all right, to boot Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. It took seven months to do that. And uh, President Bush got hammered. Well, when are you going to get him out of there? When are you going to get out? But Bush had to put together this very fragile coalition, Arab countries, Western countries. Biden has to do that now as well. Okay? So uh, I'm going to keep that in abeyance, and I'm going to tell you about Biden later. But he's got to put together a coalition to fight Putin, not fight physically, but economically. Now, I know about both of these things uh, because I wrote two books on the Nazi regime, killing Patton and killing the SS. And I was actually in the Gulf after the first war there. Roll the tape. Hello, I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for watching Inside Edition today. We are in Kuwait City, and as you may remember, Inside Edition gave the world its first look at this place just weeks after Iraq invaded. We sent the Reverend Jesse Jackson to visit the United States ambassador who was being held captive in the American embassy. Well, now we have come back to see just how things have changed since the Gulf War. All right, so there you go. Um, so anyway, Saddam got booted out of Kuwait. And then President Bush made a terrible mistake by not wiping out his whole army on the so-called highway of death. I was there um, and let the Iraqi army go back into Iraq. And then we had to fight Saddam again. All right. If he had wiped out Saddam's army uh, in 1990, then Saddam would have been done. But Saudi Arabia didn't want that because it wanted to keep a buffer between it, Saudi Arabia, and Iran, and that was Saddam. And that's why that didn't happen. But then we had to go back in, and a lot of Americans got hurt, as you'll remember. Fast forward to today. So now it's Putin. The whole world knows he is a monster. Okay? If you didn't know before, you know now. There's no reason to do this. There's no reason to disrupt world order. Okay, but Putin senses weakness on the part of Biden and the West, so he did it. He wants to destroy world order, so does Xi in China, and build up China and Russia to be in charge of their spheres. That's what's going on. Who doesn't care about Ukraine? Ukraine does him no good. This is destroy and break down world order. Now, some Americans don't understand that. All right. They don't get it. They don't understand the interconnectivity of the whole world. If you allow Xi and Putin to run wild and reimpose the Soviet Union and reimpose communist China on Southeast Asia and the South China Sea, you'll have a worldwide depression. And you think gas prices are bad now? That's what will happen.
Okay, so even if this thing gets worked out, this Ukraine thing, Putin, never again will Europe do business with him at the level it has been. Never again. So Putin has burned a lot of bridges here. And if you uh, know your history, Adolf, you know, he got, what did he get, 12 years? Saddam got more than that, but both of them wound up in a terrible place. And I predict Putin will be in that same place. I don't know how long it's going to take, but it'll happen. Hannity disagrees with me, thinks Putin's going to get away with it. I have posted that on BillOReilly.com, that radio discussion. Very interesting. And I hope you check it out. So how is Putin going to get taken down? Well, Russia is dependent on oil for its survival economically. Now, Europe knows it cannot buy Russian oil. China can and will. But that's it. The rest of the free world isn't going to do that anymore. The sanctions, some people think they're too weak. I'm willing to let see because I, I, it's hard for me to calibrate how much damage. But the, the Russian people, they're going to get hurt on the initial round of sanctions. Um, but Putin is going to lose a tremendous amount of economic clout. And if he continues this, then there's going to be shooting. So if he goes into the Baltic states, there'll be a war, a shooting war. You know, and then the world doesn't want any of this. So who's the bad guy? Putin's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. Now, yeah, all right, he doesn't care. I know all of that. But the Russian people, I mean, they're not living well over there. There's a lot of restlessness over there. So you keep your eye on it. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. And one final thing, I told Hannity that you're going to see in the next couple of weeks a new peacemaker arise. You know who that's going to be? China. China's going to enter and say, yeah, let's sort this all out. It's a phony play, but China wants to elevate itself up to the status where it's basically saying to Biden and Putin, hey, you know, we'll, we'll broker this deal and calm everything down step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. 
you can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. So here is the final thought of the day. Don't panic. Very simple. All right, don't sell your stocks. Don't do anything. Sit tight. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I don't know. I can't tell you. All right? I don't know how crazy Putin is. I don't know if the sanctions will hurt him immediately, whether it'll take six months. Biden doesn't know. All right? I don't know what the next move is. I don't know what China's going to do. Don't know any of it. I do know that our economy is essentially strong. And I do know that the market will rise in anticipation of a Republican victory in November. I'm not telling you to buy now because there are some bargains out there. But, you know, some other thing happens. Market's down 700 points in a day. I am telling you to sit tight. Don't even look at it. I, don't, I, I didn't even look at my statement when it came in this week. I don't want to see it because it's going to be very, very different in August. All right. Peace of mind is very important. My daughter is texting me all day. Are we going to go to war? Calm her down. Okay? Calm down. All right? I believe in God. I don't think he wants a worldwide conflagration. Putin is a problem. We need to crush him. Crush him economically. And I, I don't know whether these sanctions, I would have done more. I told you what I would have done. Okay, I don't know. Nobody knows. But don't panic. It's the worst thing you can do. Panic sell. Stay in the basement. Live your life. Thank you for watching. We'll have a column on this whole thing on Sunday noon and we'll see you again soon.